All right, this time, get your Bibles out. It's preaching time. We appreciate Brother Jeremy. Appreciate that good song, Miss Rebecca. He is faithful and he is true. And I want to reiterate that uh, I appreciate our membership being so faithful uh, during these times to correspond with us and help us. You know, the mission goes on. Matter of fact, it accelerates because there's a lot more needs than ever. And so we appreciate so much the faithful prayers and the faithful support of our membership. I really believe that our church is closer than it's ever been before. I was looking at some pictures today and saw the retreat pictures, the marriage retreat we just had three weeks ago. Had no idea that this would take place. And then uh, I had another retreat in North Carolina. And I'm glad we got those two in. And that's about the last two meetings we've had. And uh, it's just good to be in the house of God and hear the word of God. And I'm sure missing the congregation but I know that God's presence is here, and so I hope you'll open your Bible up and pray for the man of God as he comes. Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10, spiritual warfare. It's going to be a blessing. Brother Jeremy, you come and preach. Amen. Amen. As the pastor said, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 10. Daniel chapter number 10. We're going to be looking at this. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is the introduction to Daniel's final vision. Now, we've spoken in Daniel chapter 7 through Daniel chapter 10. We've seen three separate visions that occurred during the reigns of two different kings, one of them being Belshazzar and the other one being King Darius. Now we see that there is another king that this vision occurs under, and it is Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great is a very significant figure in the Old Testament. It was under the reign of Cyrus the Great that the decree was made by him that all the Jews could return back to Jerusalem and, and to Judea and also rebuild the temple. He was a great man that God used to return the children of Israel back to their promised land. But even in the reign of King Darius, we see in verse number 10, the Bible says, in the third year of Cyrus, excuse me, Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing, and he had understanding of the vision. So we see that this, uh, this vision that we're going to be introduced to in Daniel chapter number 10 occurred in the reign of King Cyrus, or also known as Cyrus the Great. Now this should have been a wonderful time. This is the third of Cyrus the Great, and we see that the children of Israel had received the decree in the first year of Cyrus the Great that they could return to the promised land. But even in these good times, the Bible says that Daniel was mourning and he was fasting. In fact, his mourning and his fasting went for 21 days. We see in Daniel chapter number 10, verse 2, the Bible says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel. Now, considering the good tidings that Cyrus the Great had already delivered to, for his people, the children of Israel, there may be a question, why in the third year of King Cyrus was Daniel mourning? Why was he mourning? 
Well, we get some of the answers actually when we read this passage a little bit closely. The Bible says that when he was fasting, and verse 4 was during the first month. And it appears from verse 4 that the 21-day fast ended on the 24th day of the month. Now, why is that significant? What it meant was that during that time, Daniel's fast would have included the time of the Passover, which occurred on the 14th day of the month, and also the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, the significance for this fast during that time tends to indicate that Daniel was mourning something concerning the moving of the children of Israel to the Promised Land. As we know from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, we understand that the Passover occurred when the children of Israel, the night the children of Israel, would finally leave, would finally leave Egypt and begin their journey to the Promised Land. And the Passover celebration and also the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a yearly reminder of the children of Israel about the deliverance that God had given them and the promise of a new home, a land that was promised to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a land that would be given to them for all time. Daniel's fasting during this time, and it appears that the reason why he's fasting is because of the small number of Jews that actually returned to the promised land. For 70 years, the children of Israel were kept captive in Babylon and in the regions around Babylon. After the Babylonian captivity fell, Cyrus the Great, in the first year of his reign, allowed the children of Israel to go back to the Promised Land. But we see in the book of Ezra how small a number actually went back to the Promised Land. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity, of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one into his city. We see in verse 64 that the total that actually went was this number. It says in verse 64 of Ezra chapter 2, the whole congregation together was 40 and 2,303 score. In other words, 42,360 Jews took the journey from Babylon in that region and the provinces around it back to Israel. Now, to us that sounds like a great number, but when you consider that there were millions of Jews during that time living in the Promised Land, we see only a small fraction, less than half, less than 25%, probably less than 10% of the Jews that were living in Babylon actually decided to go back to the Promised Land. And this broke Daniel's heart. Now, Daniel couldn't make the journey back. He was an old man. By this time, he would have been near 90 years old. Also considering um, his old age would make the journey difficult, he was also a man of great responsibility in the Babylonian and Persian Empire. And due to his responsibility to um, the king, he could not make the journey back. But he would have known many people who returned back to Babylon of the Jews, and also he knew many more who decided to stay in Babylon, and it broke, it broke Daniel's heart. And let me say, it also breaks the heart of God when the children of God refuse to take up the promises that God has and apply God's great blessings that He has for each and every one of us just to stay and just to live in, um, in a land that is not His. The children of Israel could have received their land back. They would have had comfortable places to live. They would have enjoyed the, the fruitfulness of the land after sitting fallow for 70 years. It would have surely been fruitful to every one of them that would have planted 
but they decided that the luxuries and the, the, um, the tools and the goods that they could receive in Babylon were greater than God's blessings that He had for them in the promised land. Let us as children of God never fail to follow God's blessings and never allow the world to keep us from receiving all the blessings that God has for us as His children. We see that He's in mourning in Daniel chapter number 10, but we also see the place of where He was mourning. The Bible says that in Daniel chapter 10 verse 4, it says, In the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the, great, the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, which is Hittichel. Now, what is the river Hittichel? Well, the river Hittichel is a significant river in um, Mesopotamia and also a significant river in the Bible. Um, today, the river Hittichel is known by its modern name, the Tigris River. And the Tigris River sits about 34 miles north of Babylon. It sits roughly 34 miles north of Babylon. What is significant about the river Tigris or the um, river Hittichel? We find out in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 14, that one of the four rivers that parted out of the river in the Garden of Eden was the river Hittichel. It was a significant river. And this is where um, Daniel was, 34 miles north of Babylon, probably up in that region, due to some service to the king. And when he's there, he has an incredible vision. Him and a group of Jews um, are by the river, and Daniel has a vision of the man clothed in linen. Look, if you will, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 5, and we see the description of this man. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphas. His body was also like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms as feet, and his feet like in color to polished brass." and the voice of His words like the voice of a multitude. The Bible says in verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. So Daniel's by the river Tigris, the river Hittichel, and he's with a group of men, and as he's there, he sees a vision of a man clothed in linen. And it's such a great vision that even though the men around Daniel never actually saw the man that Daniel had a vision of. The event was so great that even without seeing this person that was um, in Daniel's vision, the men that were around him quaked greatly and ran away in fear of what was going on. Now there's been much debate on who the man clothed in linen was in this passage. We see that there is similarity between this man and also John's um, revelation and vision of Jesus Christ in Revelation 1, verses 13 through 16, the Bible says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters." And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, there's two different trains of thought on who this man in um, white linen, in this linen um, outfit, was. 
Um, some people say that this man was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ because of the similarity between Daniel chapter number 10 and Revelation chapter number 1 in John's vision of Jesus Christ. And um, there are some people who disagree with that for the fact that in the book of Daniel chapter number 10, it appears that the man that is clothed in linen spent a significant period of time in battle and being withstood by a force known as the Prince of Persia, which we will discuss in just a few moments. And some people would say, well, Jesus Christ would never have to um, be withstood. He could, not, um, he could not be prohibited by a demonic force. Jesus had power over all. And no demon, not even Satan himself, could ever stop what Jesus Christ would want to do. And so many people say that this person in Daniel chapter 10 was an angel. Now, I personally believe that the man that is referred to here in Daniel chapter number 10 um, that is clothed in linen is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. I think that the evidence and the, um, and the, the similarities between Daniel chapter 10 and Revelation chapter number 1 are, um, are too similar for it not to be. Now, referring to whether or not this person was withstood by the prince of Persia, I do not believe that the other figures in the book of Daniel chapter number 10 are the same person as the man clothed in linen that we see in verses 5 through 7. The Bible gives descriptions two times after this of a person who is touching, comforting, and strengthening Daniel, giving the belief that there is not just one person that he's interacting with, but at least two, if not three, other angelic beings that Jesus Christ, I mean that Daniel is, um, is dealing with also in this passage. So I personally believe that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And the effect that it had on Daniel is great. Um, before we go further, it says that his body was like the barrel. Now what is barrel in the Bible? The barrel stone is the topaz stone. It is um, bluish in color and um, it is a topaz stone. And that is the appearance of his body. The Bible says that his face had the appearance of lightning... His eyes were as um, lamps of fire. His arms and his feet were like polished brass. And his words were like the voice of a multitude. So this was a, a great event. The idea between, of his voice being like a great multitude is like you're hearing many, many people talking at the same time. And apparently from this person's conversation, Daniel is not understanding what the person is saying, but he hears his and the sound of the voice is like many, many people all talking at the same time. A great noise. And it has a tremendous effect upon Daniel, similar to Revelation chapter 1 and what happens to, um, to John. We see in verse number 10 that when he sees this being, it says in verse 8, Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retain no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep upon my face, and my face turned toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. So we see first off in Daniel chapter number 10, when he sees this vision of the man clothed in linen, it had such an effect upon Daniel that he falls into a great sleep, 
whether into a trance or him passing out, I believe that he personally fainted from this great vision and that he had to be helped by an angelic being to continue on in what God had to show him. We see a similar thing occurring to John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, When John had his vision of Jesus Christ, it said in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. So we see both Daniel and John, when they have this, um, uh, when they have this vision of, of Jesus Christ, it has such a great effect on both of them that they fall to the ground as unconscious. The Bible says that Daniel is touched by this angelic being. It says in verse, 10, verse 9, it says, yet, I, yet heard I, excuse me, verse 9, it says, Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep, and my face toward the ground, and behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. So we see that this angelic being goes and touches Jesus Christ. Now, the angelic being in Daniel chapter number 9 is not the vision of Jesus Christ that we see in Daniel chapter 5, verse number 7. From this passage, it appears that this angelic being um, is separate from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ appears to Dan uh, Daniel. Daniel hears his voice, and he cannot understand what he's saying. It's like the voice of a multitude. And after having that vision, he, um, he faints, he passes out, and then another angelic being comes and touches Daniel and puts him up on his hands and his feet. And the Bible says, as he touched him, he rouses him up. And um, in other words, he's shaking him in order to wake up and see what's going on. And the Bible says, then in verse number 11, there's an angelic message. It says in verse number 11, And he said unto me, the angel, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee I am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So this angel begins to speak to him, and the first thing I love to hear is that he calls Daniel, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. He wanted Daniel to understand that he had the great love and concern, not from this angelic being, but from God Himself. And we see throughout the Bible, those people who choose to love God find that God also loves them. Now, God loves everyone in the world. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yet throughout the Bible, we find a unique relationship among many people in the Bible. After all, we see that David, um, a man who dearly loved God, was called a man after God's own heart. We also see in the book of um, John that John referred to himself as the man whom Jesus loved. 
And we see here in Daniel chapter number 10 that Daniel is called a man greatly beloved. Now the reason that Daniel is greatly beloved is he is showing great love and great dedication and faithfulness to God. And I find it amazing that no matter how close you desire to get to God, God always draws nearer to us. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. You will be as close to God as you desire to be. And I also see that as we experience God's love, as we show more love to God, we also experience more love from God. And we see here that Daniel is referred to by God as a man greatly beloved. That is a desire of my heart as well. I would like to be known like David, as a man after God's own heart. I would like to be known as Daniel, as a man greatly beloved. I want to love God as much as I can. I want to be as close to God as much as I can. And I hope that as well for you, my dear brother and sister, that you desire to have as intimate and as close a relationship with our Heavenly Father as you can possibly have. Isn't that the desire of each and every one of us? Well, the, the angel speaks to Daniel, and he encourages him with the words that he is greatly beloved. And then he begins to refer to the reason why Daniel's prayer was delayed. He says in verse number 11, I mean verse number 12, that um, from the moment that Daniel began to chasten himself, that means he began his fast and began to pray to God, that this angelic being was sent from God to speak to him. Yet it says in verse number 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 21 days. Now there's been many um, questions about who is this person known as the prince of the kingdom of Persia or many times just known as the prince of Persia. This person, this, this being, was a um, demon that was in charge of the nation of Persia. He was set there by Satan in order to thwart the workings of God and to set um, the, the plan of God um, awry. Now, Satan is always working against the people of God. He's working against the cause of God. God wants this entire world to be saved. Satan wants no one to be saved. And he fights as hard as he can to keep that from happening, that people might love and know God. And so he sets people in certain places in order to fight against the cause of God. We see that this prince of Persia was one of those beings. We see a description of this workings by Satan in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, verse 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice that the Bible says that what we're fighting against are principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We see here that there is an organization, there is a spiritual hierarchy that Satan has set up over this world in order for him to work against the purposes of God. I believe that Satan has set demonic powers um, over the United States to, swart, to thwart God's purposes for this country, to fight against the children of God, to fight against the church. I believe that Satan has set up demonic forces to fight still even against the Jewish people because he hates those people that God has chosen for himself. And um, we see that in our battles we are not fighting against human beings when we war um, for God and when we battle for God. We find out that we're fighting against spiritual wickedness. 
We're fighting against principalities. We're fighting against the rulers of the darkness of this world. One of those that was in that kind of hierarchy was this being known as the Prince of Persia. And um, we see that this person even was fighting not just from the time of Cyrus, but this person had gone back to the time that the Babylonian Empire fell. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Also I, in the first year of Darius, this is the angelic being speaking to Daniel, Also I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. So we see that even though the battle that he was having right here with this prince of Persia had lasted for 21 days, the war that had been between this angelic being and the prince of Persia had been going on all the way back to the time that Darius was king of the Medes. And what we see here is this, that the prince of Persia, his job and what he was trying to do was to set up persecution in the Persian Empire against the people of God, the children of Israel. That was the desire of Satan. That was the desire of this demonic being. And this is what this angelic being was doing to thwart his battle against the children of God. Not only do we see the prince of Persia being mentioned in verse number 13, but we're also introduced to the archangel Michael. The archangel Michael. Now, who is the archangel Michael in the Bible? Well, first off, we see that he is an archangel. We get this from the book of Jude, verse number 9. The Bible says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. So right here we see Michael referred to as the archangel. Now, there are some people who claim... Um, primarily the people, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they claim that Michael the Archangel is Jesus Christ. That uh, Michael the Archangel, um, before the birth of Jesus Christ, um, was Jesus Christ um, pre-incarnate, before He came to the earth. After Jesus Christ died on the cross and ascended back up into heaven, the Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus Christ again became Michael the Archangel again. But when we look here in the book of Jude, we understand that Michael the archangel cannot be Jesus Christ. We see here that the Bible says that um, when Michael the archangel was contending with the devil concerning the body of Moses, it says that he did not bring against him a railing accusation of his own. But instead, Michael the archangel said to Satan, The Lord rebuke thee. In other words, Michael the archangel did not um, feel that he had the power to rebuke Satan on his own, but he rebuked him through the Lord. Now this is different than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rebuked Satan. He rebuked demons, not through any other power or authority but himself. We see from the book of Jude, um, verse 9, that Michael the archangel cannot be Jesus Christ, but he is the archangel. He is the chief among the princes of God, the angelic beings. He is the highest in the angelic order that we know of. We also see that the archangel of Michael is not only um, an archangel, the archangel, but he is also the protector and defender of the nation of Israel. Look again, it says here in the book of Daniel, um, chapter number 10, verse 21. If you look, it says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me 
in these things, but it says, but Michael, your prince. Now, why is he referred to as Michael, your prince? We notice that the demonic being referred to, was referred to as the prince of Persia. He was a demonic being that was placed there by Satan to work against the children of God in the empire of Persia. That was his um, responsibility, that was his position. We see that Michael is also referred to as a prince here in Daniel chapter 10 verse 21. He's referred to, to Daniel as your prince. Referring to Daniel as a Jew, he is the prince of the children of Israel. In other words, God has placed Michael in the position of responsibility to defend and protect the children of Israel from the demonic forces that work against him. We see this also in Daniel chapter 12, in verse, in verse 1. It says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. He is put in a position by God to defend and protect the nation of Israel. We see his fighting for the children of Israel in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12 and verse number 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Now in the book of Revelation chapter 12, we see a visionary description of the children of Israel being persecuted by the dragon referring to Satan. And we see during this vision that Michael the archangel with his angels comes and fights against Satan and prevails over the dragon and defeats the devil and his fallen angels. So we see that Michael is a defender and a protector of the children of Israel. After this, um, this declaration, we see the second touch of Daniel in Daniel chapter 10 verse 15. The Bible says, And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake, and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For now can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord. As, for as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither was there breath left in me. So he has the first vision of Jesus Christ. That puts him on the ground. Then he sees this angelic being that is speaking with him. And when he hears of the battle between this angelic being and Michael against the prince of Persia, hey, it takes his words away. He's dumb. He has no strength within him. He cannot even respond to what this angel is saying. So this angelic being touches Daniel again. And when he touches Daniel, the Bible says, he touches him upon the lips. Daniel is able to speak again. And he says, look, I don't know what to tell you. He said, my sorrows turned upon me. If this vision that we're about to have is so great that the forces of Satan are fighting against me receiving this vision... I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I'm going to respond. I'm afraid to hear what you have for me. And this angelic being um, hears his words, sees that he has no strength left in him. And we see because of this, we see that he touches him again for the third time. The Bible says, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. 
Now we see here that Daniel, he faints at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Yet God sends an angel to Daniel to wake him back up so he can receive the vision. Then we see upon hearing how, um, how great this vision is going to be. That Daniel is left speechless. He's without words. He doesn't know what to say. He's, he's lost his ability even to speak. So the angel touches his lips and gives him words to say. And then Daniel begins to express his heart. He speaks up for the first time and he says, I don't know if I have the strength to be able to handle what I'm about to hear. And when he says those words, the angel touches him again. Let's read this in verse 18. One more time. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. And said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. You see, Daniel begins to see what is going on behind the veil. And I know that even in our world today, there is a great interest by many people in angels. Many people um, try to find out what the names of angels are. Many people seek to know what the names of demons are. They seek to read books on these subjects. Note that the Bible does not speak to a great extent upon the ministry of angels or the workings of demons against us. But we get a glimpse from time to time in what is going on. When Daniel received his glimpse of the spiritual warfare, what I gather from what Daniel is telling us is he realized that on his own, he is unable to war and to battle against demonic forces. And I find that's the exact same way I am, and it's the exact same way you are, my brother and sister. On our own, we cannot fight against Satan. On our own, we cannot fight against his demonic forces. Hey, he will, he will defeat us in our own strength. He will turn our words against us if we try to speak. The only way that we can stand is with the power of God. Hey, the only way we can speak is with the power of God. And the only way we can fight is with the power of God. We must trust in His strength, in His might. There has never been a demonic power that could fight against God. God is the overcoming overcomer. And if we are children of God, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have through Jesus the power to speak, the power to stand, and the power to fight. Daniel realized that. When he had received the third touch of the angel, he said to himself, I have been strengthened. You have strengthened me. Then we see the closing of the introduction. The Bible says in verse number 20, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? Now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. Also I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. So the angel says to him, Do you understand, Daniel, why I have been sent unto you? Do you understand what you're about to hear and what you're about to receive? Daniel understands what the vision's going to be about. It's going to be about the last days of his people. 
And the angel says at the end of that, I'm returning to battle against the prince of Persia. I'm fighting with Michael, your prince, your defender, your protector that God has sent to fight for the children of Israel. I am returning to fight against the prince of Persia. And he said, when I am done, I'm then going to fight against the prince of Grecia. He says in verse 20, hey, once I'm gone, I'm going to do war with the prince of Persia. And once the prince of Persia is done, then the prince of Grecia is going to come. That demonic force to fight against the children of God, and I will do warfare with him again. We see here that God is not surprised by anything that goes on. He knows what the plan of Satan is. He already has his plan. He already has his warriors. He is already battling in the spiritual realm for our behalf. Let us, in this realm that we live here on earth, also through the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, fight against the wiles, against the plans, against the tricks of Satan to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said this. He said one more thing. He said in verse 21, He said, Before I go, I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. And in closing, let us um, talk about what here is he referring to as the Scripture of truth. Now the first thing you may say is that this is referring to the Bible. And the Bible is part of the Scripture of truth, but it is not all the Scripture of truth. What do I mean by that? I'm a person with a great understanding of the Bible, and I think a better way of explaining this for you was a man by the name of Dr. John Walvert. And um, in quoting him, he said, This term is a reference to God's record of truth in general, of which the Bible is one expression. The facts to be revealed are already in God's record, and now in the book of Daniel are about to become part of the Holy Scriptures. The plan of God is obviously greater than that which is revealed in the Bible itself. We see a lot of things going on in the Bible. But in the book of Daniel, we never saw anything referred to there concerning the church age. Yet God already had a plan for His people and um, a plan for His church. You see, even though we have the Bible, it doesn't explain everything that God has done or that God is doing. Hey, God has a plan for everything. There is nothing that takes God by surprise. Now, we're living in a world today that is in great fear. The COVID or the coronavirus is going around and it scares many people. They're afraid they may catch it. But I want you to understand something. You may live in fear right now of this virus, but God is not afraid of it. Before this virus ever came into existence, God had a plan and God had a way to work with this virus and through this virus to do good for His people and for the world. We may not understand what's going on, but God has an understanding and He is working His will and He is working His plan in the world today. Do not be afraid, brother and sister, of what's going on around us. God is our Lord and He is in control and He is working to defend and to protect us. We see in the book of Daniel chapter number 10, we see that His angelic forces are fighting to defend and to protect us, His children. And as we fight against Satan, we also realize from the book of Daniel that we cannot do it. We cannot stand on our own strength. We cannot speak on our own strength. And we cannot fight in our own strength against Satan and his forces. But through the Holy Ghost and through the power of Jesus Christ 
Each and every one of us can stand, can speak, and can fight in the power of God. And I'm thankful for that. Let us go forth this night with confidence that God is in control. And I hope it's been a blessing to your heart. I'm going to ask Brother Jason if he would come to close the service. And as he comes up here, let me close again by saying, God bless each and every one of you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. I know that was a great message. Helped us to understand that Daniel chapter 10. If there's one thing we can get from it, we are in a spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, President Trump's been saying a lot about we're in a warfare. He's been calling himself a wartime president, and I agree with him. And he's been talking about this unseen enemy, this, this, this COVID-19, this virus. But let me tell you something. We're facing an enemy that's even greater than that. We're facing the, the wiles of the devil. The devil's out to get us. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And let me, let me ask you this. Uh, do you know what side you're on? Have you, have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Today would be the day to do it. Don't wait. Don't wait another day. And Christian, are you walking daily knowing that there's a spiritual battle going on? Are you putting on the armor of God? Are you fighting this battle? Because it's real. It's there. There's a battle going on, and we're in the middle of it.